This is the Raising Freethinkers podcast. I'm Dale McGowan, editor and co-author of Raising Freethinkers and Parenting Beyond Belief, books for raising compassionate, curious kids without religion. This is the last episode in my four-part series on curiosity. There is a sentence that gets said a lot in our house. We're watching a show and somebody asks, but where else have I seen this guy? Or how do they do that special effect? Or we're having a conversation at dinner and somebody says, okay, if prunes are dried plums, where does prune juice come from? Or wonders what percentage of climate change is actually attributed to cow farts, apparently a high percentage. And we'll continue with the movie or the dinner for another 10 seconds of silence. And then somebody will say the sentence. Okay, that's going to drive me crazy. And they'll grab their phone and get the answer in a few seconds. Okay, first of all, we forget how mind-blowing that is. It's become commonplace to do that, but it is not normal. Within my adult lifetime, we've gone from asking a question and then deciding whether you cared enough about the answer to go seek out card files and books on shelves in libraries with limited hours to having instantaneous access to an easily searchable portal to virtually all human knowledge in our pockets at all times. The distance between question and answer has shrunk incredibly. Well, no, that's not exactly right. The distance can still be just as big, depending on that second step, caring enough to find out. That's curiosity. I am thrilled with how much curiosity seems to have nested in the bones of my kids. And that sentence, okay, that's going to drive me crazy, that's the evidence. So the first three parts of this curiosity series looked at curiosity as the root of many other values, as a topic of myths and legends, and as an inspiration for scientific inquiry. I'll close out the series now by getting practical. How do we go about raising curious kids? The best advice in parenting generally is to show, not tell, right? It works for almost everything we want our kids to learn. If you want ethical kids, let them see you being ethical. Let them see you making the bed, being kind, saving a little bit of each paycheck, appreciating diversity. Whatever it is that you're trying to inculcate, let them see you doing it. And curiosity works the same way. You want your kids to see you being curious. And if you want to turbocharge that curiosity, link it to something that comes very naturally for kids, especially when they're really young, a sense of wonder. Now, the tendency toward wonder comes with the package. But like many other developmental windows that are open wide during childhood, like languages and musical abilities, a sense of wonder usually diminishes over time until we start to see things like spider webs, cell phones, and our own bodies as everyday objects instead of the wonders they are. To connect natural wonder with curiosity, you want to start young. 
Though development of language varies, babies will generally turn towards your voice at three months, talk baby talk at six months, understand basic words at nine months, and say simple words at 12 months. So even before your child turns one, the words you say are beginning to shape her own vocabulary and the way she sees the world. And one word your kids should hear you saying a lot, even at this age, is wow. A sunset, an animal, a waterfall, it's all an invitation to demonstrate your own sense of wonder. And then you follow it up with, I wonder... That's the curiosity moment. Wow, look at the sunset. I wonder why it's red. Touch a roly-poly and it rolls up. Wow, I wonder why it does that. I wonder if fish sleep. I wonder why light goes faster than sound. I, I wonder what it's like outside of the universe. doesn't matter whether you have the answers or even whether there are answers. Just plant the seed that the world is wonderful and it's worth understanding. Plant it early and often. And their curiosity will do the rest. And as I described at the beginning of this series in episode 7, if they develop ravenous curiosity, they will reap the rewards in everything from intelligence to empathy to their own happiness. Developing wonder and curiosity requires time, opportunity, and practice. A few tips. First, you want to make sure your kids have unstructured time. Most of us today are the victims of wall-to-wall -wall structure, and wondering creativity, independence, and a lot of other assets require regular opportunities for completely unstructured time. That's time with no instructions and no script. Now, if you're starting late and your kids are accustomed to constant structure, the lack of a script will lead to an immediate and familiar protest. They'll say, I'm bored. Lead them not into the TV room or yet another group sport, but deliver them from structure. Depending on the age of the child, you can point them to a box of sidewalk chalk, a sandbox, a patch of woods, a magnifying glass, a microscope, a telescope, an aquarium, a tide pool, the sky, all of which are invitations for kids to engage their own creativity, reflection, and wonder. Unfortunately, giving kids opportunities for unstructured time is harder now than when we were kids because of the weird neurotic hyper-safety obsession that we've developed, one that runs counter to all statistics of actual risk, by the way. I was let out the back door on a Saturday to go play, and then I connected with half a dozen other kids who'd gone out of their own back doors with the same instructions, and I know what this sounds like. This when-I-was-a-kid stuff, and I hate that. But this particular aspect of childhood has undergone really dramatic change in the last 20 or 30 years, and I do see it as a loss, in large part because of the loss of the unstructured time that lays itself open to the experience of wondering curiosity. For much more on this idea of freeing our kids from overstructure and overprotection, check out Lenore Skenazy. She's a blogger and an author and one of the leaders of a movement. Her book is called Free Range Kids. Definitely worth checking out. Lenore Skenazy. Even structured family activities can lend themselves to wonder. A trip to the zoo. 
the aquarium, the science museum, the planetarium, even a walk in the woods, they all provide an opportunity to ponder things beyond what Richard Dawkins called the anesthetic of familiarity. That's a great phrase. It's in places like these that kids can learn to see the world in a different way. And that brings us to one of the best strategies for encouraging wonder and curiosity. Shift the frame of reference. Now, if you zoom in on everyday things with a microscope turning salt into boulders and a drop of water into an aquarium of life, you've shifted the frame. Zoom out from the roof of your own house and into space with Google Earth or with a telescope or binoculars. Search the phrases slow motion and time lapse on YouTube to see how changing the speed of time reveals incredible natural processes around us. All of those shift the frame. Google the kids should see this for an amazing curated collection of videos that take kids out of their frame of reference. Frame shifting can shake kids out of boredom. I remember one time when my son was about eight years old, I think it was, he was splayed across the pew of his grandmother's high church Episcopal service, just as bored and incurious as he could possibly be. Now, boredom by itself is not a bad thing. Staring out of the car window, a lot of creative thought comes out of it, for one thing. But a changing frame of reference can spur that creative thought. So I leaned over to my son and I said, Oh, hey, wouldn't it be great if you could go back in time and see a ritual at the Temple of Zeus and see exactly what it is they said and did to worship that god? And he said, Oh, that would be so cool. He was deep into Greek mythology at the time. So I said, Well, imagine you're from the future now and you've come back to see how people worship in this time. And I gestured to the parade walking up the middle aisle at that moment with organ music playing and men and boys in robes and one guy swinging a thurible of incense. Another one holding this golden book in front of him. Da Vinci Code or something, I don't know. And he sat up and engaged because it was anthropology now. The frame had shifted. And when my daughter Erin was bored studying history, I shared something my 7th grade history teacher said that changed my own way of seeing history. He pointed out that the people we were learning about in history didn't know how things would turn out. That's such a simple thing, but it blew my mind. Instead of this happened, then this happened, and then this happened, every moment has this branching tree of possibilities going out from it. It's one thing to say Hitler came to power and then the Allies won and then the Cold War started. And a very different thing to realize that people living through the Second World War didn't know the Nazis were going to lose. In fact, for much of 1942 to 43, there was every reason to believe that they were going to win. And suddenly I was much more curious about history. Reframe a beautiful sunset by calling it an earth turn. Tell your kids to put on star block before they go out in the starshine. While you're looking at the night sky, mention that light takes one second to get to your eyes from the moon, eight minutes from the sun, and four years from the nearest star. We call our dogs the wolves and ourselves their monkeys. These are all ways to reframe the everyday and kickstart curiosity. And once kids get a taste of the wonder 
that's always just below the surface of the everyday world, you won't have to prompt them a bit. They'll lead the way and even occasionally shake up your own way of seeing things. Evolution, of course, is one of the great unlockers of curiosity. Once you know that every living thing is the way it is, because of selective pressures over the course of millions of years, everything becomes a puzzle. I wonder why this skunk has a white stripe on its back. What's the advantage? I understand why frogs croak, but why do they croak in unison? Evolution is my next podcast topic, by the way, so buckle up for that one. Finally, as I'm wrapping up the Curiosity series, I want to touch on something I said at the end of the series on fear. I said the best thing we can do to protect our kids from fear is to give them confidence and security. Well, wouldn't you know, that's also the best way to encourage curiosity. Somebody who's afraid withdraws and shuts down. It's only when you're confident and secure that you can reach out and be curious. The best way to instill confidence is to encourage autonomy. We often intervene too much to spare our kids a moment's frustration, uncertainty, or failure. An infant crawls under the legs of the dining room chair and becomes momentarily uncertain how to get out, and she cries, and mom leaps to her feet and ushers the baby into the open. A first grader struggles with a seatbelt. Dad clicks it into place. A middle schooler gives up on a math problem after 30 seconds and asks for help and gets it. I'm not saying it's bad to help your kids out, but it's also not bad to give them a little while to develop a sense of their own abilities, their own autonomy. That leads to confidence, and that sets the stage for curiosity. It's all connected. The bottom line is this. I want my kids to see the universe as an astonishing, thrilling place to be. Whether God exists or does not exist, whether we are permanent or temporary, it's just great to be here. I want them to feel that in their lives. I want them to feel love and joy at being alive, conscious, and wondering. Like the passionate embrace of anything, a love of reality breeds a hunger to experience it directly, to embrace it, whatever form it may take. And children with that exciting combination of love and hunger will not stand for anything that gets in the way of that clarity. Their minds become thirsty for genuine understanding, and the best thing we can do is stand back. If religious ideas seem to illuminate reality, kids with that combination will embrace those ideas. Same thing with science. If it illuminates reality, they'll embrace it. If instead an idea seems to obscure reality, kids with that love of reality and hunger of curiosity will bat the damn things aside. The Raising Freethinkers podcast is a production of Only Sky Media, exploring the whole human experience from the secular perspective. Visit us online at onlysky.media. Thanks for listening. I'm Dale McGowan. See you next time for Raising Freethinkers. Thinkers.